This is the 68th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Seal and Christopher Wikström. We also have with us the fabulous Sahamir Hadi, who is a member of the organizing committee of the European Legacy Masters. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome, Sahar. Welcome. I'm so excited, guys, to be here. I can't wait to talk about legacy. Can't wait to talk about the ELM. Just, I just can't wait. Just, let's just get chatting. Yeah. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech tab. In this episode, we will talk about some paper legacy played recently, briefly talk about the Swedish legacy nationals, and most importantly, talk to Sahar about the European Legacy Masters. Also, we will bonus invite Sahar to join the Legacy Staple Connoisseur panel. First up, though, we need to introduce our guest properly. So, Sahar, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? When did you start playing Legacy? Why do you love it? And what do you play? So my name's Sahar Mahadi. Yes, I am one of the organising members of the European Legacy Masters and rep for the United Kingdom, hence this beautiful British accent. I started playing Legacy in 2019 after falling out of love with Modern during Hogak Summer. Because Hogak Summer was horrible. And I was playing Scapeshift during that Modern, so it was bad. So a friend of mine uh, said, why don't you play Legacy? And I said, sure. I picked up Nick Fit, because why not? I love Nick Fit. It was the scapeshift version of Nick Fit, even. No, well, we tried that version, <laughs> no. but we just went like John Nick Fit and had a lovely yeah. time. And then I, was, I'm, a, I'm a red mage at heart, so I was like, oh, let's pick up like Burn or Moonstompy or something, just to, like get going. And well-known legacy player and all-round nice guy, Callum Smith, was like, Sahar, if you're actually serious about learning to play legacy, you should play Delver because that's how you learn the format. And we can come, we can have those conversations later, but I was like, you need to learn the format. That was a good way. And at that time, Ren and Six and Oko were legal at the same time. Oh baby, I had a great time. I had, oh, I had such a good time. I was having the time of my life playing with those cards. <laughs> I love how you're all shrugging. I was having a lovely time. And my only, and my kind of claim, not really claim to fame, but sort of a highlight of my legacy journey was at GP Bologna 2019 I was one of four people and the only woman to 9-0 day one it was me and three other people and we all had a lovely time we went 06 the next day but we don't talk about that because I lost round 10 to Tristan Potzel who I think was probably one of the progenitors of what became the snow code deck so like the astrolabe icefang coatl tireless tracker very much like bug value with oko and we we just got crushed my Tarmogoyf could only do so much in front of a meek stone. And then, yeah, the rest... Oh, meek stone. Yeah, oh, he had everything. The guy came second, only losing to Mark Eric Voigt in the end. And I just remember being at that GP. Day one was a fever dream. It was an absolute fever dream. I was just not even sure what was happening half the time. But I was playing Oko. That was also the... If you guys were there, that was the same GP where Renan Six got banned... 10 days yeah, prior. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I, I was just like, what am I going to do? I've, I only know these cards. We put a silver library and a and a fire ice to replace and embrace red and six. <laughs> just threw in a vapor snag in the sideboard last minute. We're like, well, that's how we deal with depths. Oh, I was, but the, yeah, the last minute oh, vapor oh, snag in the sideboard. Love that. I yeah. love it. And um, 
I think my only real, I think in terms of a funny story, in terms of to round off my legacy experience, is at that very event, we're 8-0, humble brag, and we're sitting at the top tables, and I and I sit in front of my opponent, and we're like, they're like, debt check, Sahara. I'm like, okay, I mean, it's 8-0, they, they must debt check you at some point. And they go away, and they come back, and they go, Sahar, can we see you in the back? And I'm like, oh, God, what's happened? What have I done? <laughs> I immediately think I'm guilty of something. <laughs> and um, we basically have the conversation and they go, Sahar, we can see your Delvers. And I just start crying. I just start flooding in tears because all the adrenaline from the day is just like hit me at once like a truck. And they go, can anyone verify what where you've been, what you've done? And my friend is playing for his winning in for day two, playing Rectifit. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's amazing. Uh, shout out Theo Andresia. We love that man. And uh, the, he, he, t- he ends up telling them our life story, whatever. The long and short of it is they come back and say, Sahar, we're going to give you a game loss. We're going to give you some basic lands and if you've got the check cards, play them tomorrow. So we come back to the table. 40 minutes has passed by this point because this has taken forever because there's been one of those deck checks where Theo's taken them 10 minutes to find them, you know, everything, all sort of stuff. And I go, judge, I've been crying. I've been, and also, what's this happening? I've been crying to a French judge for about 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, please don't disqualify me. I beg you. Looking horrible. <laughs> and I said to the judge, look, I appreciate, thank you. Okay, I, I respect your opinion. I'm not going to appeal it. But judge, look at me. I'm a mess. I can't go back to the table looking like this. So I walk across the other side of the convention center to the toilets on the other side, wash my face, go outside, walk around the convention center and sit back down. 45 minutes has passed. The round basically ended. And they're like, okay, sit back down. They go, Sahar, we're going to give you a game last for, I, I think it was Mark Cards. Uh, I think it was, yeah, Mark Cards. And they go, Sahar, you can't sideboard. You're, you, win, you lose round, you lose game one. I then beat I then beat my opponent two 0 back to back with a vapor snag in my sideboard when I put into game three. Let's go! I f- at that after that match I felt like an absolute queen. I can never be beaten. But yeah, that was that was in terms of the highs and lows of that day. That really <laughs> it's one of those weird stories I like to tell I like to tell people because it's a f- it's one of those stories around adversity like if even if you're doing well and something like that happens don't let it like knock you back like have that resilience to just bounce back and like if i'd lost whatever like i was still going into day two but it was more just the feeling of okay magic players have been in that situation where something like that has happened to them or rarely but when you do at least come back into it and then from there i've been playing legacy kind of on and off since and then i came back to it kind of after the pandemic because I wasn't really playing much during the pandemic and then I came back to it it was hard it was very hard it was it, for me especially because I'm as you can tell I'm not a, I'm not a quiet lady <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I love a chat so I very much was enjoying the gathering part and then I came back to yeah it. for sure yeah for 100% I think a load of a load of legacy players that's why I love the community because it's very like gathering first the magic yeah, is yeah, like yeah. there as well and then we I came back to it and then picked up Delver again because you know why not and then hated the mirror match so I picked up Moonstompy and like that's now my now my current I mean I'm not gonna call it wife because um like girlfriend number two maybe like it's <laughs> like Delver's the wife I go back to but this is like my I want to say I don't want to say like side chick because that sounds really bad but definitely the my current love Delve is always there, living its best life. But uh, Moon Stompy, I'm having a great time playing that deck. I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying the lines. Everyone's like, but there's no agency. I'm like, well, there is agency. You just have to think at the start of the game rather than making 25 micro decisions throughout 50 minute rounds. I'll take that. 
Delver is such a good deck to have in a new meta as well. Like when something happens. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, it's interesting now when I talk to new legacy players and I ask them what they want to do. Like, what what do they want to do? And if they, they say they want to learn the format, I tell them Delver because I think it's a good way to kind of know where you fit in the rest of the, the meta, meta. If you want, if you're only going to play a couple of times a year, then I'm like, what? kind of powerful magic do you like doing and a good example of this we just had our uh, we had a big uk event a couple of weeks ago called the gathering in birmingham and a friend of mine who mainly plays modern and pioneer we were on the train back and says so you're obviously talking about legacy a lot I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested. I'm like, okay, what do you like doing? And, it, and it, he's like, well, I really enjoy playing like Vengevines and Hogak and like, cr- like play Crabvine in Modern, like Burning Inquiry, Faithless Looting. Like these were like his, his signature cards. And I was like, well, is this deck called Madness? You have eight Rootwallers, Hollow Ones, Vengevines. You can play Faithless Looting, Burning Inquiry, let's go. And he texts me six hours later so i talk about this on the train but you know in the evening he messages me with a screenshot of turn one there's a hogak a, a there's a hogak uh vengevine and two root wallers and it says he's won the match and it's turn one and i'm like <laughs> he's like i think i found my deck Sahar. and i was like yeah was, and the format <laughs> yeah welcome to the format literally i was just like welcome to the format and that for me is all i can ask really for in terms of getting people into the game this is kind of one of the reasons why we made the elm as well of just really trying to showcase it and because i'm so passionate about legacy now it's just a nice way of like just hear me out the the format's incredible i know people are going to complain your listeners might complain oh delver's the best thing why is El- delver 35 percent of the format guys calm down delver is is good in like big premiere events because people online just want to win with peace and love to the online meta. I love the online meta. As soon as you go outside of the US and you go to like European events. It's a different story. It's a whole different, it's a whole different story. Like Delva's represented. Yeah, we're going to look at the uh, Swedish Nationals. Briefly at the top eight from the Swedish Nationals later on in the podcast. Yeah. And wow, is it a different story. But great to have you on. Again, very welcome. We'll get soon to the European Legacy Masters discussion. But first, as always, we want to talk about our most recent paper play. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna super hijack a thing uh, that I think was really interesting. Uh, I do think that uh, telling new players to try Delver is really good. Because now when you picked up Delver, when you got that suggestion, now when you're playing uh, Red Stompy or like uh, Moon Prison or whatever you'd like to call it, you know how to beat Delver extra bad as well because you know what what shaky hands you have kept <laughs> in that matchup. So like like uh, for a lot of times, like I, I usually try Delver a bit in the beginning of every new meta just to understand where its weak points are. And I think that's really valid. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, everyone, it's interesting with when you said about that one because the Moon Stompy Delver matchup is something I've been working on in the back end. Because I'm like, why do they always? Why do they always have it? Why do they always have Hydroblast? Why do they always have Meltdown? These are the questions we have to deal with. But I, I definitely agree, and I, I've said this to a couple of players that I will probably play Moon Stompy till year end, and unless, unless there is a brand new like archetype or new card for it i will put it back down play delver again for a little bit and then try something else whether it's depths or i try lands or something something else to just keep the brain ticking because i always like playing from the other side 
Because then when I go back to Delvaux, I go, oh, your hand is actually not that amazing. Or your hand's a bit shaky, or you've kept something that's a little risky. And then you can sort of utilize it. But yeah, I definitely agree. A new meta, when a new meta eventually does arrive. Apparently, ley line binding's the new meta. Yeah, yeah, crush it. Crush it, <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> exactly. We were the first ones to talk about this before Wizards put out the statement. We're so oh, ley line binding. Ledger shredder, I can look. The staple. Oh, I love ley line binding. All right. Speaking of uh, meltdown and like, the weak points i will talk a little bit about my <laughs> last thursday <laughs> legacy evening so i was uh, playing in i adepts as i've been playing the last couple of months in game one i was paired against a well-known merfolk player but he was uh, changing it up today and playing the paradigm shift sort of uh, combo in the package and he steals game one quite fast and uh, then in game two he's also very fast and then we sit and chat a bit after the game and we talk about that i have ending one of his vials and then it goes like oh it's in exile then i shouldn't have had an extra card in the graveyard then i should be dead so he like realizes that he misplayed the game and he shouldn't have been able to win if uh, if if like the vial had been correctly Exiled. So he actually hands me the win in the game two, and we play a third game, which I managed to win. So that was like a very, very it's beautiful. Strange, I love it. Very strange win. No, it's so rare. Fair. Your 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 fish opponent yeah. is the fairest the fairest person around. I don't like. Yeah, the fairest fish. Yeah, he's, he's such a good guy him. as well. Yeah. Like he would never. He would feel too bad if he realized that later. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm, I'm always like, oh guys, I, I messed up. I messed up, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to, you have to be like that when mm. you play when you play Magic. Uh, and then I'm uh, I'm facing off against High Tide, which I have been having a lot of trouble against. It's a very resilient combo deck <laughs> with a lot of answers to Merit Lage and to my hate pieces as well. But I I managed to steal one game with a deafening silence that keep him busy, and he also forgets about the second step that my reclaimer can grab. He tried to bounce Merit Lage unsuccessfully. It's like the second breakfast. Always remember there's a second step. There's always a second step. Never forget about the second oh, step. Always a second I've step. I've been there so Please many times. Con- and that's I'm the best fine. Step. This is going to be Dead gone. Me. When I've been playing moon against Depths, they go dead gone. And they go Sajiri step. And I'm like, dead gone. And they're like, second Sajiri step. I'm like, my soul uh, just left my body. Yeah. <laughs> and we died. <laughs> yeah, that second step is so good in the deck. I'm never... I'm never boarding it out again. Sorry for all the about boarding I've been doing. And in the third game, I'm up against uh, this uh, Esper f- splashing red control deck that I've been facing a little bit. And I lose game one, but in game two, I have all of those haymakers like Shoke and Minsk and Boo and all of that. And in game two, I can just slam them. And in game three, I also double choke him <laughs> and wasteland him out of the game. When one choke so that is, is not enough. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's working up to like three mana to ending the show. And I'm like, here's another one. And here's a wasteland for your scrubland. <laughs> Proving your point. My soul, again, soul left body moment. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but karma comes and bites me because uh, in game, in match four, I'm up against Jand. Jand in 20. In this economy. At what? In Robin, this economy. Actual, At- actual boomer Jand. Like we're talking all. Yes. Well, but but, but Minsk and Boo. So oh, that's yeah, fine. No, that, that's fine. Yeah, we're, yeah, allowed, we're allowed some. We're still a, we're allowed innovation, but just yeah. old-fashioned junk. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it was Liliana's, it was him to Turak, oh. it was Lightning oh, Bolt. Uh, it, was, it was beautiful. Yeah, and I, I managed to win game one, but then in game two I play horribly bad. I get the first Minsk and Boo into play because this is basically a Minsk and Boo du- uh, like a mirror. And after he forces me to sacrifice my hamster in the next turn, I attack his Liliana and then flings the the little hamster at him because I think that like I need to accrue some card advantage now but uh, I forget about that he's a bolt deck so he can bolt my Minsk to mm. death and then he slams his Minsk and uh, yeah, from there on it's uh, it's looking bad and I think I'm, I'm really tired in game three and I have I, I get into the situation where he's, he's, he has the upper hand. I know that there might be some line where I can make a Merit Lage in his end step, but I, 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 I can't figure it out and I'm, I'm losing to his Minsk in game three. So that was a 2-2. It was a little bit weird <laughs> because it could have been like a 1-3 and it could have been a 3-1 as might as well. So it was an interesting night nonetheless. So yeah, like I, uh, I had finally detoxed this week. I had uh, so last week I played stacks with actual smoke stack because I, I, I had an <laughs> exam period in school, so I just needed to get it out of the system. Stacks? No, 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 no. Come back, come back, come back, come back to the main road for a second. You played stacks. Do you yeah. want your opponents to have no fun? Yeah. No. F- okay. Okay. Like it's a zero sum game. Like the less magic <laughs> they play, the more I play. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it's, is it moral? Maybe not. I mean, <laughs> but fair enough. It, it is. I, I don't think I've seen someone play stacks in Legacy since I started. So yeah, it's all power it's, to you. Like the deck you're playing right now is uh, pseudo stacks, which is just stronger. <laughs> so I think that's a. I'm playing an aggro <laughs> deck. It, yeah, masquerading yeah. as a prison deck. Don't no, no. There's not. No. Don't the people who say it's like full on prison. No. 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 It's a. It's an aggro deck pretending to be a pretending to be a prison deck. Like I'm brutally honest with myself. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. my friend, are having no. Your opponents are having no fun. Yeah. Um, mine are I having got, little. Fun. I did get one of the one of my opponents last week. Uh, zero spells cast. So that was good. But this week <laughs> I was back on my regular grind, which is uh, sixty card no combo wing con Aluren. Match one, I was facing Jeskai Control, and both game one and two was pretty similar. Like, I just play creatures, get ahead on cards, and get my beats in. And, uh, you know, in game one, I I kept a five-creature hand, and I beat my opponent down to, like, four four life with just Quattles and a Charlotte's Agent. And the thing is, like, uh, it's so hard for, for a Jeskai Control deck to do something meaningful when you're a learn opponent you know that they're sitting with an alert in hand so you can never like really tap out so you have to have interaction out and then you're just getting beat for two three five damage it's it's terrible but not for me and uh, <laughs> i demonstrated that exact thing in like game two i had a grist and my and my opponent was like uh, it was on the stack they're like i have to counter this so they forced it and then next turn i just Alert and the one, so it's uh, it's it's tough. It's a tough matchup for Jessica for sure. But then match two was against Esper Doomsday, and 
Doomsday is always going to be a hard matchup for this deck. I have a full playset of Endurance in my 75, but it's not what was killing me these games. So in game one, we have a grind fest, like both of us are playing Strixes and stuff. And then he just turbos out the Shieldred. And now we start. I look at my hand. Mm, love it, love it, mm. love it. I look at my hand, no force. I have Brainstorm, Free Quattles, and Uro and one land and i look at that shield red and i'm like this is this is uh this is something <laughs> it's gonna hurt yeah but, it's gonna hurt but I, it's gonna really hurt i actually just play out my creatures and uro is weirdly enough kind of on parity with children because you gain free so you actually go up one but all of my other cards in the deck in the whole deck does the exact opposite <laughs> but we actually have like a really close back and forth but eventually the phyrexian gets him there and then in game two, it, it gets bad quickly. Uh, like on turn two, I fetch my opponent, fetch in response and goes dark ritual opposition agent. Opposition agent. Oh, but, oh baby. But this time <laughs> I, kept, I kept the triple force hand this game. So I had like force of negation and two force of wills. So I was like, I have to counter this. So yes. I do counter it. And two or three turns down the road, I'm staring down that shielded again. <laughs> and also, like, my opponent just hard cast a, uh, a street wraith. And I'm sitting with a swamp in play. <laughs> oh, let's go. The shielded can never attack because I'm sitting with so many Strixes in play. And I'm starting to just cycle Uros to gain one life <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the shielded in play. Yeah, it's so crazy. And we actually end up in a situation where... My opponent, I played the uh, Aether Chandler to bounce the Shieldred and then swing with Uro against his Teferi, which is in play now. And he has an option to block with Opposition Agent, and he is at six. So I could have swung at him to force the block, but I had more malicious intent with my attack. So I attack Teferi, and he doesn't block because I'm sitting with free fetches. <laughs> and he has like an Opposition Agent. It's too too nice not to give me all my fetches. So he lets Teferi die, which unlocks my seven cards in hand, which is like two forces, Aluren and Harpy. So I just go for it and kill him. And then time is called. So it's a, it's a draw. But I definitely stole, I definitely stole that game. Like, uh, I was, <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. So like uh, the greatest thief in the multiverse, Dak, I'm coming for you. <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> then match three is against Stoneblade and game one is just a slow death for me. My opponent resolved uh, maybe turn five Crucible of Worlds and just started playing fetches from his graveyard, did some brainstorming, and eventually, you know, plays uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor and Stoneforge Mystic. And after the game, my opponent is complaining like, ah, oh, I had so many lands, and not realizing that I'm sitting across the table, I have two more lands in play, and I have not a Crucible <laughs> Worlds. And then I show my hand, which is four more lands. <laughs> And he's like, oh, wow. so I'm like, yeah, wake up call. <laughs> and in game two, I just keep on drawing lands like crazy, but I get my pseudo engine online, which is hard for these decks to deal with, which is when you just cast a Charlotte's agent to get some sort of cantrip or uh, like a Strix or whatever. And then you just cast Harpy and pick up the Charlotte's agent. And go again. Yeah, like just manually <laughs> do it. So eventually I just I just get there. And game three it's is... Aluren at home. Yeah. Mm, it is the Lauren at home, very much so. Yeah, like uh, sometimes you just gotta pay five to get uh, get that extra cascade in. 
yeah, so I, I grind him out, and in game three, it's kind of a spook fest. My, my opponent resolves an early Jace, so he can actually keep up with my card advantage, because like generally my deck has so much more card advantage than control decks. But after a back and forth, I get to play the Ether Chandler again to bounce the Jace. And my opponent is in a situation where if they redeploy Jace, they might not have a second blue card. So they, they, they are stuck in this limbo, like, should I go for it to find a blue card for my force, or should I just keep it in hand? And they keep it in hand. So eventually, you know, I just keep on drawing cards, and you know what happens. I play Aluren, he does have the force, pitches Jace, and I just force back, and it's over. Let's go. It must be correct, though, to keep the, the Jace for the force there, because otherwise you're just making yourself so open to you, whatever you do. Yeah, but I, f- yeah, I would always gamble on a brainstorm. Yeah, I, w- I would, I would probably. <laughs> like, if you think about that, all of my cards in the deck almost draws more cards. No, sure, sure. So like it's, uh, you're yeah, just you have gonna... to get ahead. You have to get on the route. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Lauren's such a weird. Like, are you pl- are you just playing bug, or are you playing like five color spe- special as I call it right now? Right now, I'm I'm on the bug, but this is the no wing conversion, so I'm not playing a Serac or Parasitic Strix or. Uh, uh, so I'm I'm actually just playing Uro and Edder Chandler as my wing con. So I just gain a bunch of life, and then I make a bunch of one ones and pass the turn with like four forces, endurance, and stuff like that. So. Then I just go to discard, like clean up, and then I endurance myself, and then they have to answer that every turn. So it's it's hard to beat. It's it's practically the same. There are some scenarios where it's not as good. You do end up in time though sometimes, right? No, like <laughs> the opponent scoops every time. Like yeah, like if if they've demonstrated that and you can't interact with it, I would a hundred percent just scoop. No, there's a gentleman in London who plays the four five color. I call it special because it's literally just just value engine stuff. I'm just like, this, how does this stick win? He's like, Sahara, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm like, it, 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 I draw play cards. A, I just, exactly. I draw cards for more. It's I draw cards for cards. I'm like, and then he put Leyline Binding in because I'm playing five colors. I'm going to play Leyline Binding. Oh, fantastic. Ah, it's sweet. just like, I was just like, you know, this like the one thing I respect about Aluren, I uh, I love pl- I've loved playing against it, but I definitely have as both a Delver player and a Moon Stompy player looked at my Aluren pwn and go, resolve Aluren, go on then, I'll play my Goblin Rabble. Like especially with Moon, I'm like, go on, go on, I day, I double day, and they go resolve Aluren. I'm like, okay, am I dead? They're like, no. I'm like, cool. Here's two. Here are two goblins. Zunk. <laughs> Just like, oh, okay. Oh. It's always scary. Like that has never worked for me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm usually sitting on it as uh, long as I can. Ooh. So when I resolve a lure and it's uh, it's supposed to get there, but a lot of times it doesn't. But against Moonstomp, it's always so scary because you're like, I gotta get in under Trinispheres, but maybe they're not running Trinispheres. I I have to go for it, and then we you break. And they just put in like two rabble masters end of turn and you're like oh man <laughs> this is getting bad quick it's it, we're just gonna kill yeah. uh, i think my favorite one in terms of like playing moon and sort of having three counter magic is uh, so show and tell is notably a bad moon stomping matchup but the best feeling in the world they go show and tell they go omniscience i go trinisphere and then i watch their face as it just <laughs> crumbles away while they forget how to play magic that's a stack's like, life <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah I, 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 well that's kind of i, I was, like i said i a little bit of fun they can have a little bit of fun 
I have more fun. I actually did that um, before I go into my match. I actually did that exact thing. Uh, we had this playoffs a couple of years ago and I was playing stacks. My opponent went turn two show and tell. And I did put in Trinisphere and my opponent put in Omniscience. And I was like, sure. They pass. I untap Wasteland and I have a port in play. So it's like super lights out. Stacks, baby. Yeah. Stacks life. But uh, <laughs> yeah, then in, in match four, I played against the Naughty Painter. So this is the Dreadnought Painter version. We have a player who's playing a crazy brew. So it's a lot of those like torpor orb effects in the main, which is scary. Like I have a lot of ETBs. But, you know, game one, I get quite lucky. My opponent has the combo. Uh, you know, painter grindstone. But I get to Brazen Borrower, the painter on activation. And then I get to end of turn, play Brazen Borrower, untap, play Cavern Harpy to pick it up in my hand again. And they're like, oh, I can't combo. But then I think they drew like lands four turns in a row, which like any removal spell would have done it for them. So I, I stole that one. But game two, th this is where the magic happens. I get to resolve Grist, which is really good in this matchup. Like, are you going to play a Dreadnought? I'm just going to minus. You know, it kills Painter. It kills uh, Welder. It's just such a pain for them to, like, they have to commit creatures to do something meaningful. So I just answer literally every single threat that my opponent is playing. I brace him, but like he has Ursa Saga. So I get to like bounce a token. I brainstorm into Pernicious Deed. You know, like everything is just so bad and Eventually, I just kill him with one one insect beatdown with the Quattle <laughs> also. So I went to three zero and one, destroying my my record of uh, just going three one this league. Let's go! Don't you guys have? Is he canonically known as the Hope in Stockholm? Yes. Yeah, Delta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, he came to he came to Birmingham, and then I because yeah. I didn't realize who he was, and then I went. I remember I remember going up to him, and I was like, he's like, oh. I, Excuse me, I'm Delphar, and I'm like, oh, you're Delphar. I got, I got, obviously, I got lost my goddamn mind. And he's no, like, no, of course you do. Of course you do. And he's like, he's so mild mannered. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, I'm just yeah. imagining him being like the end boss at like Stockholm yeah. LGSs <laughs> and being the most nicest guy in the world. I'm just like, hello, just he's the humblest. Yeah, ever. he's both. Um, like he's the yeah. nicest and the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone I've spoken to is like, this guy's literally your end boss like mm. if you beat him you're literally the, like king queen everything in the middle and i'm like i'm like but he's so mild mannered he's so nice and can apparently play every deck under the sun apparently yeah he really he good. i mean yeah you, you saw his run to uh, yeah, to the trophy yeah win when run. he played like everything and the funny thing because we had him on the podcast after that and i asked like so i mean this is a sort of a, a fun thing you can do online but it's going to be difficult sort of in paper and he's like no i have all these cards <laughs> yeah, like, he, has, he has every card chariot <laughs> and the hanger back land no that's that doable doable so what about the no, no i was just gonna say there's just some players that are like that they just they just have everything and i'm just jealous so what about you Sahar? did you get to do any paper play in between all the organizing the gathering event obviously the, a couple of weeks ago i got to play in that we went four and three in the swiss but the way that the gathering was set up is that because it's legacy and the TO just wants to give out prizes, there's multiple top eights. So depending on where you come in the top 32, you can get some prizes and like get some, you know, bit of, you know, bit of like a little, little something. So I made both of them like sneak in. And then the second one, the second one, I, so the, the first day I went, I ended up six and four. 
and then the second day I went seven and three. So it was kind of a good, it was a good all around experience. But I think the highlight of that weekend was, again, people know me in the UK community as being quite loud and like being quite enthusiastic. Nope, no, no, not this weekend. I was known as the lady who was playing the initiative cards because Caves mm-hmm. of Chaos Adventurer absolutely <laughs> slaps. This card's incredible. This card <laughs> won me games it shouldn't. It's... Mm, chef's kiss against control oh how did they ever how did they ever beat this car it's incredible so there was that and then i unfortunately caught covid when i came back very sad but i was stuck up i was actually stuck in my uh, in my office because i self-isolated and i was like well i've got to do something at the weekend so i put the saturday challenge up went ninth on breakers because of course we went ninth on breakers <laughs> i was like i was like what but i was like oh i play apparently i play quite well when i'm sick and then we played the legacy challenge on saturday end up going like one three drop because i was like i don't know if you've ever had this when you play like or just play magic sometimes especially online i definitely have this where i just like halfway through a tournament i'm kind of tired i'm just i'm done like i just i just like (laughs) turned off mode i like dropped from the event turned my computer off went for a walk got a coffee came back home had a nap had a lovely time and i think a load of players will just have kept playing because they're like oh we'll just keep playing we'll keep playing i'm like no if your body tells you not to play magic listen to your body yeah, just if, go home. If you're not feeling it, like why bother? Like just uh, do something you like. Does it spark joy, or does that uh, you know touching grass and a cup of coffee exactly. sounds better? <laughs> I went and touched some grass. Yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> but I've been I've been enjoying playing playing Moonstompy, and my whole sort of rhetoric, for want of a better phrase, has been just around consistency. I've been trying to play the deck so i am positive record or at least if i'm noticing where i'm losing matches if there's a theme to those matches so in the case of delver i noticed that in the last few tournaments i've played delver's the main matchup i lose to so i'm like i basically put a call on twitter was like that good delver players can you please play against me and a couple of lovely delver players were like sure we'll play the game and then i've kind of got to know some of the more tweaks and then eight cast i was like eight cast players some <laughs> of you still exist can I play against you? I know it's bad on online, but can I please play against you? And I've got a, I've got a chat on Friday to kind of hash out the 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 eight cast matchup because whilst I, whilst the deck has really good high win percentage rates, that kind of is a bit of irrelevance. It's like for me, it's more the deck has got like amazing win rates against like the fair decks and like some of the combo decks, but it's just got these matchups where it's like sixty forty or 50-50 and you're just like I just want to move my percentage points up a little bit just so it doesn't feel like when it's really one-sided it feels really one-sided at least it's a bit closer and stuff like that like for example like playing against Painter or something like that if it's a lot more 50-50 than like playing against Show and Tell which is like 90-10 to them but yeah I've been enjoying playing Legacy unlike most people <laughs> who are like but what bemoaning Delver I'm like I'm actually I'm having a lovely time I'm, I'm having a, it's you should keep doing that then if it's a lovely exactly. time for you i mean why not indulge yourself in having lovely time i think you mm. are that's well earned yeah i actually i actually think this uh, version of delver is a lot more healthy than the renin 6 oko meta like i'm not saying <laughs> you that. think <laughs> my favorite thing on this though is i was listening to the eternal glory podcast shout out to those guys and they said and phil gallagher said it best if you just take the treasure cruise or the dig through time announcement when it got banned and put expressive iteration in there it's the same thing and i probably agree i think expressive iteration is the problem it's the problem yeah. murktai is also a problem but i was when i played delver the dream i got sold was 
Delver Wasteland Days. If you play the, if you play a Delver Mirror, none of you have permanence, and the first one to resolve a Delver of Secrets usually wins the game. I don't want to be going to 10, 10,000, grinding it out, picking up my, picking up my Mystic Sanctuary, playing my expressive iteration, replaying my expressive iteration, sit there for like 24, you know, sit there for like 10,000 years is the way I describe control, basically turning it to a control matchup. I'm just like, I don't want to grind. Like, <laughs> peace and love. I just, I love and hate grinding like any matchups. Why I can't play like proper all out control deck because my mind just is like I'm tired I'm bored just someone win the game already please and the Delver Mirror yeah, I, agree, I agree that that is not the Delver experience no. that you're no. looking for and the also Delver- that's that's also not the control experience like when you're grinding it out you're getting like small advantages and when Delver does it they're like and here's an 8-8 eight eight, and you're like <laughs> how did we end up here like you you wastelanded me, played Sanctuary, and now you have an eight eight, and I have two cards in hand, and you have five. Where? How mm. did we end up here? Exactly. So I think that, and I said this. I think for me, the the, the way I decided to kind of take a break from Delver and move to Moon Stompy is I was trying to verbalize this to a lot of players and i think the final phrase that came to mind was i wasn't a fan of playing a deck that everybody had a plan for. And I only had the capacity to have a plan for a certain amount of decks. And that felt really... Like, you had, a, you had a target on your head. And I think better players can probably adapt to that. But I definitely felt that this isn't fair. Kind of in a weird way. Like, kind of if I had to be kind of a bit, kind of like, throw my toys at the ground. It felt unfair. Like, oh, everyone has a plan for Delver. But I only have enough capacity to have a plan for the top maybe five, ten decks of the format. And then my sideboard can only accommodate X, Y, Z. And it's like, what do I want to beat? And you end up having, you're in those situations where you're just like, it's done. Well, cool. I mean, uh, actually, of course, this report in an ideal world should have been about the three of us Swedes on this podcast talking about how we went in the legacy masters of our country. But, uh, you know, all of us unfortunately couldn't go because it was, you know, school holidays, so parents couldn't make it, and Christopher also had other commitments. So we missed out. 111 players did not miss out. They played Gustav Bustet took it down on Maverick. Old school, nice boomer Maverick. We hope to have him on the cast in a couple of episodes or so. I'm just quickly going to run down before we end this paper play segment that sort of unsorted, I don't know which sort of order these guys placed, but the top eight deck list. So in first you had Maverick, we know that. And then we have two copies of Elves, Death and Taxes, The Epic Gamble, Blue Red Delver, Turbo Rhinos, and a depth deck. And th- this top eight is so Swedish. Like, I love it. It's, uh... it's the least Delver inviting top eight ever. Yes. It's like, you want to play Delver? Please shoot. Please. Just yeah. please shoot. You're welcome to come and go oh, free drop. Yeah. yeah. Some, someone, so. some, so this one Delver deck is always going to make it there. But as we said sort of last week when we made some predictions, like elves are going to be there. Weird deck. Epic Gamble is going to be there. A copy of D&T, probably. None of us had Maverick taking it down, though. So we hope to get Gustav on so we can get his report on that because it's probably going to be lovely. He's been playing Maverick for quite a while, I think. And he was winning against Epic Gamble in the finals. So that was pretty cool. Insane. I think that's a tough matchup for Maverick. Yeah, there's only there's only so many hate bears you have. Yeah, you're gonna uh, survive right. until turn two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
Well, mighty indeed. Now let's talk about something even mightier, the European Legacy Master. Sahar, could you please tell us about this event and why it matters to you? It matters to me so much. So, the European Legacy Masters is a tournament series and invitational where the best legacy players fight it out to become legacy champion uh, is the kind of short one sentence elevator pitch that I have and it sort of came about as a conversation at the Four Seasons tournament that happens in Bologna where they do the Italian leagues there's many of them uh, do a invitational every year and I remember speaking with some Belgians and some Spanish people and some Germans and we were like hang on a minute if they're doing it why can't we do it? And thus it does the European Legacy Project buffed, for want of a better phrase. It came to life. And now we have over 20 countries involved. And it's just about rejuvenating the the legacy community after what effectively has been quite a hard couple of years for the community. A lot of players left the format or they've sort of fallen out of love with the format. And we felt that, you know, GPs aren't coming back anytime too, sadness for that, but we were like, we can at least replicate something that is for competitive players, something to play for. You know, we started thinking about how to do it and we thought of an invitational series, I think that's the best way to kind of put it together, where people qualify and thus go to the event and it's, you know, you get bragging rights and some, you know, a bit of, a bit of some good prizes and some goodies which is really cool obviously it being the first one this is obviously our proof of concept this year which is on the 3rd of december starting at 11 a.m central european time we're streaming it live on twitch.tv slash four seasons it'll probably be in the show notes it's gonna be great guys i'm so excited (laughs) i'm so we just announced all the prizes we've got two exclusive play mats one for the top eight, one for nine to 16. They're incredible. I'm just so excited, guys. I've, I've been talking about this a lot with people and everyone's like, why are you, why are you so excited? I'm like, because legacy gets, you get to showcase the best legacy players in the Europe. And we're not talking like, you're, you know, you, you have your players that are obviously qualified through local and regional play. But for this one, we decided to invite community members or players who'd given back to obviously showcase prestige. So... Who did we invite? We invited Everyday Eternal because we were like, you guys have been around for so long. Yeah, yeah they're legendary. They're legendary. So <laughs> both Julian, Kai and Callum. Callum was going anyway. But I was, yeah, of course. It's just Callum was going <laughs> anyway. But they're going. I also, we also had a conversation about inviting previous Eternal Weekend or GP winners. So for GP winners, we had Mark Eric Voigt who won GP Bologna. And my personal favourite, Gary Campbell. Yes. Oh, everyone loves Gary. I'm <laughs> OG. So, OG. English legend, yeah. He's Scottish legend. He's not, Scottish legend. He's ve- very much king of Scotland. And he, I love him. Does he come with his own array of bagpipe players? And No, alas, not this time. I've, I tried to get that arranged, but not this time. Uh, he also like lo- he also like goes to Italy a lot, so Italians also love him. He's loved everywhere. Mengu, Mengucci, Andrea Mengucci. We were like, well, we have to invite him again. He'd come anyway, but Andrea Mengucci's coming. And then some of the, because of, we only had about, five to six months realistically of organizing time some countries obviously sweden included you know got themselves together and put an event on and we were like let's go the brits we did the same but some countries it was a little either their communities were a bit smaller or it was just 
not feasible to put something together. So we decided decided that we could have some invites, some special invites. So um, I know, for example, Spain. Spain's delegation is um, Javier Dominguez, Rodrigo Todores, and Guillem Salvador Arnold. Wow. Which I, was, I was like, <laughs> excuse me, what? That's a, well, list. that's a list and then you know we've got HK we've got like Hans Jacob Kaiser Stefan Schutz you know like all the big wigs of legacy have all just turned up it's like a who's who of t- legacy yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it how the top eight's gonna be stacked no matter what <laughs> yeah, yeah like... it's gonna be incredible actually we did a very funny prediction in my UK legacy chat where because we encouraged players to sort of travel about and you know the best example of this is, is an Italian guy who's on our committee Lorenzo Tassone lives in Barcelona who's, who's the rep for Spain travelled to the UK and qualified for one of our slots we were like wow yeah <laughs> we're so excited for him That's conversely so Ireland who joined uh, who also joined Four, three of three or four of their slots went to British people. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so I think we have about eight British people include we have about eight British people in the in the ELM. I, I didn't put it up this way, but apparently that's how it's the that's how it shook out. You know, like well, in terms of like British players, obviously we've got Callum, but well-known Lance Pilot Matt Brown is also going to be there. Oh, yeah, keep yeah. Sing, sing sing his praises. And we just got some. We just got some good up. But also on top of that, we have just players who just qualified. There's a gentleman who quali- who qualified for our last event called Andy Fernandez, and Andy Fernandez basically came with canonically Naya Stompy with a bunch of initiative cards, Minsk and Boo, and a load of stuff. It, it's a brew. Like he's an, he's a brewer, but it worked. It was good for the meta, and he's coming. And that's like the whole. We wanted that nice split of players who had a bit of both, and I think that's going to make the experience so much more memorable and like interesting rather yeah, than yeah, it being yeah. just like a who's who. We could have just invited like the best legacy players around the country, and we have invited some of them. But I think it's nice having a mix of that, mm-hmm. and I think we've. We're estimating it to be around, I think, eighty something. It's like eighty four is like the capacity we've got at the moment. So I'm just, ex- I'm just, I'm ready to just put it on. I'm. I've, there's a few more bits we still have to do. I've been very busy. <laughs> I've been very busy. <laughs> I've been doing all the socials. We've got sponsors. We have uh, an Italian sponsor by the name of Gianluca Bozo, Bozo MTG, who. Um, kind of came onto the vision from like day zero uh, he's sponsoring our top eight play mat which is the art was kindly donated by a bulgarian concept artist who's done stuff for who's trying to do stuff for magic and then three for one trading who are based out in vienna they also giving us some goodies and then i think one of the coolest things that from an initiative from a community initiative is the in response podcast shout out to those guys they have curated and created a set of play test jewel lands with art from the community of places in Europe. Oh yeah, so yeah I think it's so nice. I love the the positive feedback that those have had because it's such it's been such a a labor of love for those guys to get pictures and get good quality photos of places and I think it's going to look beautiful when we give them out. So it's it's going to be uh, I did someone did ask me today. Someone did ask on the on the ELM Twitter they were like is there going to be LCQs? I'm like no. No, 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 no. I'm not putting an LCQ on the day before where the the committee are already stressed of going to go grayer by the end of the tournament but it should be good but yeah i mean victor victor obviously is uh he swedish elm yeah. rep i have been basically making all reps 
do the do the things that to do so then i can do all the things they have to do so it's, it's <laughs> and you have been doing it very well I've, it, that's what i hope to do it's it's kind of been but i've it's been amazing like i i it's been interesting talking to other communities about it because i feel like sweden sweden from what i know of the swedish community and i spoke to a bunch of uh, some of the Gothenburg guys, uh, so like Tim Grams and like Victor Alfredson and stuff like that. I met them at the last four seasons, and you guys love Legacy. Like you guys love, 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 love Legacy. We have a we have a problem. Like, you guys uh... have a problem. I thought we loved Legacy in the UK, but you guys are really love. But I think the Nordic countries do. And I was even talking to, I mean them, I mean Danes. The, the yeah, Danes, Danes love. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, they well. really, they love. They love Legacy. different taxes. <laughs> they love too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I mean, it's because they got three very good players who play D and T. Let's yeah, not yeah, beat yeah, about yeah. the bush. They got three very. But then even the Norwegians, like I've been talking to a few, my like the Norwegian rep, and I met a very lovely Norwegian chap at one of the. Uh, one of the last four seasons and genuinely like adores legacy i think the nordic countries i think also symbolize just the love of the the love of legacy and things like that and i think you know it's interesting the amount of communities who sort of come to the beck and call of this a little bit like we were expecting obviously the big countries so uk spain italy germany france all this sort of stuff but then we've got places like bulgaria and mm-hmm. like Slovakia and like Finland. Like I didn't realize Finland had a legacy community, but here we are. And it's just been nice showcasing some of the smaller communities and like what they're doing. And it's not like small in terms of like 30, 20, 30 people. There's still like 60, 80 people or 100 yeah. plus people playing legacy. And I think that's just really cool. I think that's just a really good sign that the format's pretty exciting. Yeah. And for me, that harkens back to also something that I used to really like about Wizards when they had the World Magic Cup. I mean, that was a standard and so on and so forth. But the World Magic Cup was so nice because anyone could end up there. Uh, Anyone from sort of you just had to win a qualifier and you were on the national team. So you would have these weird situations where you have these star players like Brian Kibler facing off as like this person who won a qualifier in their small town in the north of their country uh, and they're winning <laughs> because sort of it's a it's a game of variance yeah everyone's rooting for david against goliath right yeah yeah yeah. it it makes for so much so many good stories so much good coverage and i mean since wizards uh, for you know many reasons have stopped doing that i'm so glad sahar that you guys keep that flame going especially in legacy which is such a community-driven format needs to be community-driven i mean this is a proxy allowed event all of these things and i mean we're just so looking forward to it so thank you so much for it's going to be incredible and thank you so much for all the work that you do because a lot of a lot of work goes into this i mean (laughs) we as organizers of just one podcast know how much sort of behind the scenes work there is to get this show going and you're organizing a huge event in a physical location Yes, and that's been, and trying to get 20 different countries with 20 different representatives with 20 different ways of working. And I'm like, okay, guys, just everyone, please agree. Um, it's like herding cats. Um, and But it's been amazing. And cats? I, cat, just herding all the cats, herd the cats. All right. But it's been, it's been incredible. And I think that it's going to be, I think because we're, one thing that's interesting about David Goliath thing, I think certainly for coverage, we're having coverage and we've got a coverage team. And it's going to be interesting having those situations where we've got like those big names on coverage versus somebody who's probably just qualified as like, not, not, not like a nobody, but like someone who's like 
you know, qualified for the event and is just coming and they're playing like against Andrea Mangucci or like Javier Dominguez. And like that story is going to be good. I think also one thing that's going to be interesting, whilst we're not, it's whilst it's not like Magic World, uh, well, Magic Cup where it's, you know, teams and, you know, waiting it like that, it is going to be interesting following what teams are doing well because as we've established, have you seen the names I've just mentioned yeah, a little while ago? It's going to be, it's going to be mental just seeing like, you know, I don't know who's going to win it. And that's going to be the beauty of the whole thing. But I'm excited to see how it goes. And Four Seasons, I give them massive props for wanting to like let us yes. do it. And yeah, it's going to be great. I just I encourage you guys to watch it. And we'll go from there, basically. So like statistically speaking, <clears throat> betting on, the, on a UK player is a safe bet since it's like 10% right. of the room. I have no comment. Yeah, um, I have no comment. Around. They're all very good, <laughs> but I'm biased. Well, now, as we have a Moonstompy aficionado in the room, where, what an excellent opportunity to gather the Legacy Stable Connoisseur panel for the namesake card in this deck, Blood Moon. I mean, up until now, for this segment, we've only done sort of one-drops, because if you want to talk about Legacy Staples, uh, you sort of, you can't get past one-drops, apparently. So this is exciting for us, you know, uh, mana value of three, here we go. And of course, guests first, Sahar, which art for Blood Moon have you got for us? The Dark, the original art. It's the best one. I like the newer ones. I play the newer ones. I prefer the Dark version. So the Dark is card number 58 by Tom Vennerstrand, actually Swedish descendant, uh, who now holds a sort of very senior position in the WotC. He works with sort of production management or something, Mm -hmm. global scale. Yeah. Uh, So why this art? I just, I think it's just quite synonymous with Blood Moon. I think, I don't know, I, I, it's, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the, like, the Dark Arabian Nights kind of cards anyway. And, like, Blood Moon for me is, like, one of those cards, I remember looking at it going, it's, this feels like an old magic card. It, like, feels like a relic. And maybe because it's, like, just, it doesn't look, it's printing also just makes it look like it's misprinted, but it's not because it's just, the card yeah. Scott back then was kind of, you know, a bit darker, for want of a better phrase. But I just, I love it. And I, I own, we own one in the house, which is in my husband's cube. But I, if I build Moonstompy, like as, you know, pimp it out, then I want to get some dark blood moons for it and be like, these are my preferred artworks. Or just one of each and just really mess with my opponents. But yeah, the dark is my favourite. And so funny for me, this art harkens back to when I was I was uh, eleven in '94 when this card was released, and I owned a couple of copies uh, a few years later. And at the time, people were just like, "This card is quite bad. Like, why would you <laughs> want more mountains? Like, uh, and it's it, it, it was a card that you sort of." Nah, this doesn't really do anything. Sort of, oh, I opened a Blood Moon in a pack. Oh, sorry for you. And th- th- that's sort of how I relate to this art specifically. Like having this card, owning it, and being disappointed in, in having it. <laughs> I wish that I hadn't sold them, but you can go down that road and talk about many cards, and that's sort of never going to end well, so I'm going to stop there. All right, and uh, I picked the same art, of course. I mean, I, I own two copies of this one, and they're... They're old. They're from from my teenage uh, magic days, actually. I I just love this art. This card is so red. I mean, if you have experienced an actual Blood Moon, it is such a unique event that just, like, 
truly paints the world in red and like steers up like animals behaving crazy and all of that weird feeling in the nature when this happens and i think this card captures that feelings very well so i would definitely play the the original from the dark it's a great card yeah like i i really love this art and for two two reasons mainly like the first one is that it it looks very overworldly it's uh, it feels kind of like larger than life but not in your face and that's the second point of it it looks very still and that's kind of like the game experience for a lot of opponents after this resolves. Like uh, they're just sitting there like who who can't remember the first time <laughs> they got really badly blood mooned? Like, of course. So this this kind of like it's, it's the stillness that I really enjoy with it. And it's very moody, like it's uh, not very colorful. It's just red. Very, very red, for sure. I have a, there's a couple of others. When you, when I, when I was, when I was thinking about this, I was like, there are definitely, I have like top three, the the dark sits at number one. So what about you, Christopher? I saw that uh, this pick, like it's, it's a very good one, but I went with another route and I just wanted to, pick something to make victor a bit cranky so i picked the double the double masters uh, version uh, number 346 by jim pavlik and this is just screaming red it even looks like uh, the moon is bleeding and it's extremely red and it looks very, you know, violent. It was hard deciding between this and the, like, I can't remember if it's 8th or 7th edition slash the Modern Masters. Like, they're, I think they're all the same. But there's something really special about the screaming red moon. For everyone who has watched or read the, the uh, anime slash manga Berserk might get really nostalgic when they see the, the red moon and what follows, which is just terrible. So yeah, I, I really like this one. It looks like it's bleeding and I don't know, it, it really screams blood moon in the way Victor doesn't like. like <laughs> Literal. <laughs> yeah, it's very literal. It's and, a literal yeah, blood moon. moon. So uh, this is my pick. What do you guys think? This is my number two. This is literally, this was, it's, it was this, because I was like, it's literally blood moon. It's so, like, the it says bathed in deep crimson. It's, it's as bloody as it's going to get, guys. But yeah, I am a bit, I think this one, unlike the dark one, where the dark is kind of like a snapshot of like a blood moon, as it were, this is just like, no, you want blood moon? This is a literal blood moon. It is covered in blood. It's just, it's it's bleeding. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how literal you want to be, but this is as literal. I would love to have seen the art direction on this of like, please paint a moon bleeding. Yeah, the art director goes, hmm, can we fit some more blood in on there? Like, <laughs> and this is the finished picture. They're like, yeah, because it, it also like, because this, this, this blood moon sits uh, weirdly like just on top of this huge crater. Like it's not even a moon in that sense. It, it's sort of a big orb that sort of seems to come gushing out out from you know a huge fuck off volcano <laughs> which makes it sort of it's 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 like but but I'm thinking if I want to interpret this positively because as you say I mean I'm not a huge fan of these very little literal art sort of interpretations of of the cards but if I wanted to sort of do a um, a positive interpretation I would say that this is the forge of stars for 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 sort of a group of gods like a pantheon and someone has just dipped their hand 
sort of put this orb within your finger, this moon, and dipped it in this huge blood volcano and have just sort of released it so that it's hanging there, sort of just drying off a bit before it's going to be sent off somewhere in, in the galaxy. Sort of that's that's what I'm getting if I want to do a positive interpretation. If. Before, if. Yeah, like the if. <laughs> and before, before we uh, get into Victor's choice, I'm just going to take a super, you know, shitty take on this. This is, so it's not, like, just imagine, close your eyes. It's not a volcano. This is city of traders, uh, like traders. And it's just shooting up a ball. That's how you, <laughs> you turbo out the blood. Oh, <laughs> chef's kiss. Oh, and that goes really well. That's a blood moon cannon then. Because my other yeah. sort of thought was that this looks exactly like it was art directed by the same guy who did general art direction for Star Wars the force awakens when you have th- this looks like so much 2020 sort of star wars in the sense that sort of yeah we have a planet canon now <laughs> and i feel this is uh, I-, I relate to to that and i mean i, I like portions of these new movies that don't, don't get me wrong but yeah i'm, I'm getting st- sort of disney star wars vibes here 100 percent. so i went for a different route of course i went from secret lair number 366 by ms CHF or mischief in capital letters and this is essentially a star chart it's sort of a yellow background yellowish sort of it's supposed to look like I think old parchment the the color of old parchment and uh, it's it's black and that color so it's sort of black and white but not black and white so it's black and beige black and parchment and it has these circles that you'll find on these old school sort of you know constellations you think it's very copernicus all of this and of course it's extraordinarily pretentious to, to sort of even design a car like this but as as was said on the the last leaving a legacy art episode all text is art and all art is text and i'm just going to go with that and say that this is a lovely lovely interpretation of uh, blood moon this has the best flavor text of all cards recently the same astrological influences that govern individuals apply to companies, which are after all composed of people and legally pers- legally considered person-like entities. And if that's not wow. uh, if that's not a metaphor for modern life, I don't know what is. All text is art, and all artists. Text. It, all artists text. It's so. It, I remember. I remember seeing it for the first time, and just I remember when the whole mischief cycle like drop happened, and just being captivated by how they took magic art in a completely different way. The Blood Moon and the Swords, the Plowshares one, are probably my favourite out of that collection because they're just so... I think you said it correctly, Victor, in terms of... They're just kind of magnanimous in what they're trying to be. And they're not... It's not just like, oh, this is just a card. It's like, no, this is... We're being wanky about it and you're gonna like it. And I can respect wanky and I can respect pretension for what it does. But it's, I, I definitely want some of these that are so expensive now. Yeah, I, I never noticed. Like, now I'm looking at it up close for the first time and I see, like, on the top left, there's, like, a <laughs> yeah. dollar sign BM. And then yeah. blood moon. And I'm like, cash money, bad manners, blood moon, let's go. That's yeah. fastest way to concede. Exactly. Breaking yeah. mad. It should have been a hashtag BM. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like this one. This one, well known other moon stompy aficionado, XJ Cloud, has a play set of these in his moon stompy deck because he mm. wants his moon stompy deck to not look like magic cards. So it's every printing that doesn't look like just a generic magic card is in his, de- in his moon stompy build. So I'm like, 
Yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter, and it took me 30 seconds to realize that it was a magic deck. Yeah. But it's beautiful. And that is all we have for this week. If you are heading down to Bologna in December, let us know in our Discord server. You can find the link in the episode description, as you will find other relevant links for the European Legacy Masters. In addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLMLegacy. We are also present personally on social media. Sahar, where can our listeners find you? Just put Sahar Mahadi into Twitter. I'm there. I'm talking about magic. If I'm not talking about magic, I'm talking about PhD. If I'm not talking about any of those things, it's my cat or wrestling. This, those are the four experiences you come for, <laughs> which I think is quite a good time if you're on board. Yeah, I just insta-followed. I heard cats, PhD, legacy. <laughs> like, hardest, hardest follow I've ever done. Well, thank you, guys. I've had a lovely time. Robin, where can we find you? You can find me at Twitter as well, at Jacka underscore boo. And you can find me on Twitter at monolithmtg. And I'm there under Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 68th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sian and Christopher Wikström. Extra warm thanks to Sahar Mirhadi for gracing us with your presence. Special thanks, as always, to you for listening all the way here. Longer episode than usual. And The Great Furnace has, as always, written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until next episode, right now, right now, a paper day ere the blood moon rises.